Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Kim Kopetz. Kim is president at Opus and has more than 20 years in the industry, originally joining the agency back in 98, and she's held several positions from event manager to EVP of, EVP of sales and marketing. In 2012, she joined Intel for five years, heard of it, and held leadership positions in marketing, sales and operations, and customer experience. In 2017, Kim returned to Opus and most recently held a position of Chief Growth Officer prior to her promotion to President in June of 2020. Kim has a huge passion for events, experiences, and brand moments, and is highly focused on creating valuable partnerships between Opus's world-class talent and expertise with ambitious clients to successfully deliver on business objectives and drive positive customer engagement. She has also achieved success in event-related roles at Nike and in the NBA. She is a fellow graduate of Northwestern University, lives in Portland, Oregon with her husband and three children. Real quick about Opus, it's a full-service event and experience marketing agency and partner to many of the world's most influential brands such as Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, as well as other innovative global leaders such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Salesforce.com. Opus is a collective of three brands, Opus, Moss, as in more, and 10Q, companies that engage with their teams to bring every element of their events, experiences, and brand moments to life in impactful and memorable ways. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Kim Kopetz to the show. Kim, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So excited to reconnect with you, Kim. And I'm really excited about this episode because for a number of reasons. <laughs> One, you becoming president during the middle of a pandemic of an events agency. And two, just as a leader uh, of working with so many world-class agencies to get a real kind of near-term and future view of what's going on in the events industry. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you, your website's awesome. You look at it and you see just, it, it's actually interesting. You see all these people jumping around and like really close proximity, make, you know, make skin crawl a little bit, you know, but less so now, you know, but yeah. uh, we're all looking forward to, to, to doing that again. So, you know, I just rambled on about Opus. Would love to hear in your own words how you look at what Opus Agency does. Yeah, sure. So Opus has been around for quite a while, uh, I think over 25 years, and really primarily servicing the tech industry and, mm-hmm. and B2B events. So starting out really in core logistics, like find a venue, order the catering, send out your business <laughs> reply card for registration. This mm-hmm. was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just over the years, it's really expanded to multiple services. It really you know, kind of speaks to that description. It's every element of the event that you would touch from production to creative, digital, promotional products, analytics. So it's really essentially if it's part of the event or experience, we touch it and manage it uh, or bring it to life. And so it's, it's very exciting. Um, and then in 2018, we went on sort of a, a buying spree. We acquired seven companies in 18 months. Wow. Um, really to focus on, you know, further expanding that, the capabilities and expertise. And then we also um, uh, acquired a company in London, so to expand our global footprint. I That's- missed the invite, Kim. I missed the uh, acquisition invite card. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You'll have to be in our next round. <laughs> Uh, so tell me about, uh, you, we mentioned it, the collective of three brands. I didn't realize you had acquired seven, but tell us about 
Opus, Moss, and 10Q and how those all interface. Yeah, sure. So um, Opus is really focused on what I would call the full service attendee experience. So everything that would touch an attendee and I mean, everything from the registration platforms to mm -hmm. building, um, you know, the the breakout rooms, the speaker kits, the T-shirt with the logo. So every aspect of an attendee experience um, and really focused on that on the B2B. So we do large scale programs like uh, AWS reInvent, which mm -hmm. was, you know, in 2019, you know, close to 60,000 people down to really small, intimate CEO summits in you know, uh, a private dining room of a, of a steakhouse. So it just, it really runs the gamut, but it's very much focused on that attendee. Um, 10 Q is, you know, really where their wheelhouse is this creative and strategy around bringing, uh, events to life in the, in the, the keynote, the general session, the overall narrative mm -hmm. to the message that you're trying to get the audience to react to or be part of. So, um, a lot of focus on keynotes and mm -hmm. production and, and that bigger idea. And then Moss is, is literally one of the best in the business for brand moments and brand experiences. Like, um, you know, they did a, a Google um, mini, like a donut shop, pop-up donut shop. Yeah, it was awesome. Or, I saw um, that visual. It was really cool. Yeah, or like the YouTube Creator Summit. So really um, moments and experiences that very, very much connect a brand with an audience. So it's, it's a great collection of, um, you know, different skills and different expertise that we can, that we can bring to, to bear and working with, with companies. There's, there's some, something for everyone, you know, when you engage with, yeah, with the three of us. I think one of the reasons I was so excited, we've had a couple of um, event agencies on before, but not ones that were so comprehensive. Um, mm -hmm. And. And then if you look at the, the world-class roster of clients that you have, right? I mean, Microsoft, yeah. Amazon, Google. And so uh, definitely at the forefront um, and probably a pretty good lead indicator of where things are going in the event business. And, and in Brand Story Inc., we look at it through the filter of brand story, right? Uh, which mm -hmm. you guys do as well, kind of your immersive approach to brand story um, through events. I, I'm curious from an organizational structure standpoint, um, assuming that you've figured it out in the less than the year you've been president, now that you've acquired seven companies, uh, the help me understand how you look at the interplay between your companies, what it's like to manage that. And then in general, are, are there things that, um, how you look as a president of, of what you decide to insource versus actually outsource and partner? Because as you talk about, I mean, putting on an event for 60,000 people is no small undertaking. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of the, and we do have an incredibly extensive contractor and freelance um, base because a lot of events are, mm -hmm. you know, sort of a um, cycle of, of when there's a lot of activity or not. Like you're in the pre-planning phases, and then when you get closer to the event, and then actually on-site event is when you have massive amounts of um, staff and and bodies making mm -hmm. all the magic happen. So um, from a core, like what we we, we have a lot in-house. I mean, we have 365 employees, so we have a lot of all those services from a lead, sort of an experience lead, production lead, technical mm -hmm. lead, creative lead, um, and then we supplement that based on what the client or the business might need um, to make sure that, you know, it's sort of a best of breed um, because some – everybody we always say that, you know, whatever a client's 
what is your success metric? Like, what's the KPIs? Mm -hmm. What's the outcomes you're trying to deliver? And that's not the same for everyone. So we really focus on building the right team for that project um, and having as much, you know, consistency, right? Because you learn so much working together. Events are extremely emotional. Like it's a, and, and, you know, what's interesting about the virtual events is we were just talking about this. When you plan these big conferences, like you're booking a venue space like a year in advance. <laughs> and, like, that date's not moving. Mm-hmm. Like, you're in it. Mm-hmm. And But with the virtual events, it'll be like, hey, we're going to push this out a week. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you just picked up the whole ballroom and moved everything. So it is a very a very different um, complexities that we, we don't even think about much. Well, I, I'm fascinated um... – at multiple levels when I when I get presidents or CEOs on like yourself. And so I, I want to turn back the clock, clock to June of 2020, well into the pandemic. You get promoted from chief growth officer at Opus to president. Where was your business at at that point? And, and what were the first few things that you did when you took the reins in such a unique time? Yeah. Yeah, I always joke that it was um... – pretty crazy to take over leading an agency event agency when events were literally illegal like <laughs> you, you literally could not gather um yeah it was a pretty crazy roller coaster uh you know it started at the end of february because we were primarily in the tech industry one mm-hmm. of the big um sort of movers was mobile world congress and companies pulling out of it mm-hmm. and then it just everything just sort of started snowballing um and every, you know, most agencies in our industry went through the same things with, you know, pay cuts and furloughs. And, you know, we had a couple rounds of, of um, layoffs. And, and, and it, was, um, it was an interesting time because we were incredibly fortunate that we had people in our agency that had former lives in digital marketing or mm-hmm. broadcast. or You know, so mm-hmm. we were able to just, you know, pivot's the most overused word in this right. industry. But very, very quickly. And um, one of our clients, Microsoft, was incredibly bold right out of the gate in May with with moving their developer conference build and leveraging their internal studios. So we were just, some of it was, you know, being in the right place at the right time with the right skill sets. Um, But, you know, one of the first things I had to do was, you know, I think two weeks into the job is do another reduction in force. And so it was I was well positioned in the role as chief growth officer because I knew what every single opportunity was in the pipeline, yep. and I knew the clients, and we we have a very strong uh, relationship with those clients, and so um, we just you know it was it was brutal because it's not like we were driving the company into the ground or or you right. know shipping a shoddy product. It was a hundred percent out of our control, so it was just so hard on the industry, but. Um, you know, after that, it was I, I realigned and reorganized the whole agency, which, again, sort of a silver lining when you're moving at Mach 10 and the business <laughs> is crazy and you're growing. You don't ever take a step back and go, hey, let's reconfigure our back office. But right. we, we did have an opportunity to to look at it differently. And um, and so I reorg the agency to better align to, to really how we are engaging with our clients, which was around growth experience and enablement. Yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating, right? Like you think about all the things that it, if we had been told in our respective positions of leading our organizations that you'd be doing, there's no way you would think it's possible, right? Running a content yeah. agency and having an entire virtual workforce and not even being set up at the time to, you know, or maybe we've had the licenses, but 
editing remotely, right? With producers right. in one city and editors in the other and that kind of stuff. Just and, and, <laughs> that's for those of us that like disruption, it's like careful what you wish for because it really, uh, I know it's challenged me. So I, I think what's really interesting about your background though is the fact that you've worked at such large companies on the event mm -hmm. side at places like Intel, you worked at Nike, right? Like, so you understand the brand mentality um, very well. I'm curious where we are in spring of 2021 through your eyes in the brand experience event business from a big picture standpoint. Handicap where we are and where you see things trending. Well, I mean, it, it like I said, there's a there's a little bit of a silver lining because it, it allowed people or forced people to evaluate what was working and what wasn't working. I think particularly in the event side, um, there's, there was a lot of like, oh, we can't change it. We've always done it. You know, we've always mm -hmm. been there. We've always done it this way. Um, is to really dig in and understand why people were doing events or, or having these brand experiences and engaging in a different way. And the other thing is we've been talking about data ad nauseum forever. <laughs> and the, the challenging thing with data is there's sort of this implicit data versus explicit, you know, what someone's telling you versus what they're doing. And there's so much data in the digital and virtual side of it that I am hopeful the learnings will trickle over when in-person comes back, mm -hmm. that the experiences are going to be even more relevant and more impactful. I think the human behavior, and it was always fascinating to me, and I can totally geek out on like data and human mm -hmm. behavior and you know psychology of things, is that how quickly people adapted to you know, like early on in March, you just have like, just get it out there. Like just, I have, I have content and it needs to be out there. Let's throw up a team. Let's do something. And everyone was super forgiving that, you know, you were in your kitchen yep. or the dog barked or, I mean, even while executives are talking and you fast forward to now, there are the very highly produced broadcasts happening. Yep. And it did not take very long for the audience to set expectations really high and that is a change because in the in-person and physical environment, you didn't have to rely so much on a platform. Like that yeah. is literally the ballroom. Mm -hmm. And so if the platform goes down, you, your, your hotel just collapsed. I mean, there is literally no event. And so that was just a different mindset of thinking through, um, you know, we, were, we, we talk about uh, when you're doing a live event, let's say you're going to take the stage and you have a keynote. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could be walking on the stage saying, Hey, could you change my slide? You know, mm -hmm. or take that one out. But in this new world, you might be pre-recorded. Yep. Something might've happened that changed what your message was from the time you pre-recorded and the time you're actually showing it, you know, you have to upload, load it, you know, I mean, just yep. all these complexities that actually, um, people have to look at what they're doing and why they're doing it. And again, it goes a hundred percent goes back to that outcome like, what does success look like? Like, what is the behavior we're trying to change? Or what are we trying to do differently? Um, and I think people have learned from a, a brand engagement um, to measure that in other ways. Like, before it used to be how many people attended the session. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's sort of like viewing time. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it, the sophistication around the data, I think, is going to really change and drive how brands look and spend Um spend differently in the, in their portfolio. Well, to your point but, of the evolution of, of how quickly people adapted and the quality and, and expectation of what a virtual event is, what are some of the best practices you've seen emerge that, that you guys are now employing for virtual events? 
Um, I think there's really been a lot around um, getting more sophisticated with content. Um, you know, I, I share the example of, uh, you know, you'd read a session description. Maybe you're at a conference, you're in Vegas, you're going, and you read the session description. You're like, oh, this sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. And you go and you sit in the room, and then they start talking, and it's not what the session description really <laughs> says. No, I've never had that happen. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, if you're me, I don't get up and walk out of the room. I just sit there and go on my phone or, you know, <laughs> start working. Whereas in a virtual event, you're, you're gone, right? Mm -hmm. You're in your email, and you may never come back, or mm -hmm. you've clicked off of that. And so being really um, deliberate about what the content promise is and being much more um, the audience segmentation, that's another best practice, and learning what types of events make sense for future, um, future uh, virtual events. Because, I, I, you know, everyone... I, I hate the word hybrid, and I honestly think it's like an experiment not worth having. Mm -hmm. Having, and I don't know that. And there's probably mixed issues. I don't think there should be hy hybrid events per se. We've always had live events that have been live streamed. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's not a hybrid event. Like a hybrid event is if you're looking sort of like at attendee parity. You can you're coming to this conference, and are you going to mm -hmm. attend it virtually? Are you going to attend it in person? And I just don't think that that'd be too expensive. It doesn't make sense. Like why would you do a virtual expo and an in-person expo or any of those things? And so. I think the strategy will be around a hybrid portfolio where you will have forever events that can always be played virtually, mm -hmm. and then you will always have events that will need to be in person based on what you're trying to get out of it or what your attendees are trying to get out of it. Like if they're looking to network or, you know, thought leadership or, you know, be there in person for meeting, you know, there's not a lot we didn't learn you couldn't do online. It's just people miss three dimensions. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. I thought it wasn't South by Southwest. I think they just um, were experimenting, right, with VR yeah. too, right? So there's a yeah. to your point of a third dimension. You know, I'm starting to see VR pop up. And but to your point, uh, in we now know Kim Kopetz's uh, hot button. It's that's the H word, the hybrid word. But I mean, I do think it's it, it leads to the next question. What are you What are you hearing? You know, going back to the earlier, you're, you're dealing with. A-list, best-in-class, world-class brands, right? That mm -hmm. are when when you guys do events, you it's capital E event, right? And so, what what do you envision for fall of twenty one? What's the winter twenty twenty two looking like? What are you hearing as it relates to the brand experience, convention, trade show, business realm, the in-person factor? Where are people's mm -hmm. heads right now? Or is it true? Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we're we're starting to see a lot of momentum in the space, and people people are anxious to get back to in person. Mm -hmm. I think that to my point, they're learning what works virtually and what will never work. Like for mm -hmm. example, um, you know, I had a conversation with a well-known shoe company that was like, "I we can't you can't virtually show the next season's design. You can." But people want to touch it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not going to ship it out to people's homes mm -hmm. or the car car companies. Like, mm -hmm. you want to sit in the car. So there's just certain things that will never, you know, they have to be in person. So we're seeing a lot of momentum in the space, um, even in the summer of, like, more outdoor festivalization, pop-up things that I think we will, I mean, already people are talking about that. We'll see smaller events. I mean, I don't know that we'll get to the, 50,000 person event, but it's interesting. I also think that a lot of decisions and perspectives are being placed on how people are completing surveys right now mm. versus their actual behavior. Yep. Because, and, and back to the point of, you know, talking about, Oh, people are throwing more 
um, immersive experiences that are digital. And, and we have done very well with at-home experiences, you know, like shipping a, a gift, like a box that yeah. has some sort of component, like a second screen or it's connected. Mm-hmm. And we've done very well with that. Um, but there's no alternative. Yeah. So it'll get interesting when people have choice. And that's that's where I'm saying on the hybrid thing, it's like, do, do we really know? Or, I mean, God, there was that Texas Rangers game, I think it was. Yep. There was like 38,000 yeah. people yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. And I think that the more, the like you and I could talk about it, but I haven't been in an arena with 20,000 people. And But if I went and I felt like it was, clean or whatever and I didn't feel and then you know fast forward two weeks I didn't get sick I'm gonna I think it's just gonna snowball that people will start to move back to their their behavior I would you say it's a fair statement though that if you're um, for the brands listening out there and there's many listening to this brand executives that you know let's face it yes in the past events had um, the in-person events you had options to stream it but it was kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought, but not as well thought through my experience has been in that now moving forward, I don't want to say, you know, going back to your H word, but there's this element of really considering the brand from each touch point in a way that's different than pre-COVID. Yeah, for sure. In the past, what you would sort of call, it would be an amplification of, let's say you're, you're streaming it. So the mm-hmm. attendee that's watching, it's more voyeuristic. They're not engaged in any way. Mm-hmm. They're just watching a show. I do think there will be some maturity and sophistication on the engagement of those people that are on the stream. But I mean, we're even seeing it right now with chat, like apart from like, hi from London, you know, there's not a lot of mm-hmm really valuable, relevant chat going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there could be more opportunities for the in-person group to engage who's online. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like right. some of that so that there's more awareness of the connectivity. And um, but it, it, it is just going to be a very, a di- very different way. Or, you know, what I think we'll see more companies do. And I think, you know, you, you've talked about this too, is content, like the, the, it's a content generator. Events are content generators, yeah. right? You, you, you either, you're having a one-on-one, you're doing a fireside chat, there's social, there's tons of social, there's blog posts and all that, that I think hopefully that can be harnessed in more strategic ways um, that you're going to have more content on the uh, digital side and in, in person. And that somehow, you know, you're connecting those as a more always on um, but you know, it's funny, the event marketing has, has often been separated from just traditional corporate marketing and some of their objectives and mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. And so, um, like I could be on a conversation and someone's like, oh yeah, well we want to build this always on content hub. Mm-hmm. I go, isn't that your .com? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not different. Like, why are you creating a second excite? Like, wouldn't, isn't there, you know, so they're kind of talking about the land grab for digital marketing, like who owns it. And then, you know, there's this, all this conversation about building communities in the event space. I go, communities have existed digitally for decades. Right. Yeah. You'd be surprised though. I mean, our clients, that's where, you know, the biggest uptick in our business has been around that. And I think it's been because one of the things has been, especially small to mid-sized businesses, which you, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we've seen 
a huge spike in our content marketing business because people yeah. had these teeny budgets, right? They're used to whining and dining people, golfing them. They're like, okay, I need touch points to kind of get to clients. And yeah, you're building these content hubs because you're trying to, you know, they don't want to spend six figures on redoing a website, right? And so how do you take the content, which is, you know, bespoke, if you will. And it, it is interesting though. I think to your point, you mentioned like a sneaker, like, you, you dig in, you know this better than me, you worked at Nike, uh, the, the subculture around sneakerheads and the businesses and the digital media mm-hmm. communities that are there, right? Like, it's not like, oh, you know, when's the big, there's, there's one event and we don't think about shoes the rest of the year. There's, there's always on sneakerheads, right? Many, many, many of them with large communities. Um, and it's kind of to your point, I think, I would, I'm gonna throw this at you, you can, you can swat it down. I would imagine it, it's a based on what's happened and people become more at their desk, more engaged in the digital side of things. It's probably a benefit for your brands, less education for you, for people understanding and appreciating that to your point you just made, that it's like events aren't this thing over here in an island and your content communities yeah. over here. They're, they're, they're always interconnected and the event is almost like a tent pole or a spike uh, yeah. As part of your content continuum, would that right? Well, well, I I'm a little bit cynical in the sense of all the things that our people are like, hey, we're going to do always on content, or we're going to do these engagement campaigns or these nurture like that's that's best practice right marketing yes. from forever like <laughs> yes. you know but yes. now we're applying it into this this new space. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I think there's a convergence of um, you know, I was I was telling somebody, I go, I don't know, you could create a whole new practice that's experience marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, but what really leads, you sort of have this tentpole of, is, is the event, the actual ability to connect with a person, both physical and digital, mm-hmm. is should really be the most important part of your portfolio. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, we've all done it. I've, I've done it. I don't want to call it fanboy or fangirl. You go to these trade industries and people who you totally respect, you've never met before, you meet them. And then you have this deeper connection when you're with them, tweeting with them or on LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this, to your point, they're not isolated. They're not in different buckets. It's, it's an interesting perspective. So what has you most excited about Opus right now? Well, you know... Um... I think I, I'm super excited about the success that we had with with the virtual experiences, or like I said, those at home experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've we've always been a leader in in person programs, particularly like these larger or complex programs, or you know, high touch or that type of thing. So uh, to me, the muscle memory that is going to serve us well when in person comes back. Like we just dust off that playbook. But now we have this whole extended opportunity with digital and virtual capabilities and the understanding and strategy of this sort of continuum of the entire portfolio of your events and helping our clients to determine, is this, should this be in-person? Should this be virtual? Mm -hmm. Should this be some combination? Mm -hmm. And I think we are really well positioned with all of the experience that we've gained in the last, um, you know, year really, uh, to, to, you know, to really accelerate that. And um, like I said, I mean, my dream is that, you know, events are, are, are considered the most important part of a marketing portfolio because you do have that sort of 360 view of a customer from their 
their digital footprint plus their in-person behavior. So, so that's super exciting. You, you mentioned data, uh, you know, uh, being a data nerd on this stuff. I got to believe there's surveys out there and, and kind of information in your industry about pent up demand for people wanting to get back together. Um, mm-hmm. Is that how do you look at that as a president? Right. Because it's it's such a wild card right now. Right. As you're planning um, in yeah. events. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious from like a strategic level and someone who was in charge of revenue and, and sales for the organization. How do you even get your head around planning as an organization right now, knowing that it could be like, oh, my God, yes, like everyone wants to come back or you're doing an event. No one wants to be that event where it's and then people don't show. Right. And so I'm curious how you think about that strategically moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the guidance really has has been there. I think there is demand in certain audiences and certain types. You know, it's kind of like the all the people you have to sort of look at who's your target demographic, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I do think that, like I said, once people see it or once they experience something and feel safe and comfortable or they're vaccinated or whatever their, Mm -hmm. their currency is that, um, I think it'll move pretty quickly, but it is easier to plan for the in-person event and just go virtual than what I think a lot of companies are struggling now is this sort of hybrid notion. Should they plan for both Mm -hmm. or should they plan this week's going to be in person and next week we're going to do the same thing virtual. Um, so I think that's really what, what people are struggling from our perspective, planning an in-person event is actually relative. It, it's a lot easier because you do have to book the space, yep. you know, and, yep. and there is a still, you know, there's getting to the right venues and the right cities and designing the program around, you know, what's available. And there is a lot of demand for space right now in 2022. I mean, hmm. I mean, people are booking for those events because I think everyone, you know, <laughs> feels this will all be over by 2022. Um, yeah, I feel like I fall, feel like the wedding events business is like, you know, they're, they're doing like around the clock shifts, right? For all the backed up. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that industry. But it's the same for well, yours, the one, right? The one that actually has a lot of, uh, a lot of increase is the sales incentive trips, you know, because yes. all of those kind of got punted for two years, in, depending on when your cycle was. So, like we were laughing that there's going to be some pretty big award, oh God. I awards can in 22 for people <laughs> that, you know, didn't get their trip in 2020. But um, I want to come to yours. Yeah, it is also it, it also some of that strategy of is just being like nobody wants to be the super spreader. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of a lot of companies are watching their competitors mm-hmm. and saying, well, if they're out there, then we should be out. You know, and, yeah. and you also have to look at, you know, your 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 employees, right? Mm-hmm. Your employees. A lot of the trade show decisions were made last spring when things started sort of falling apart because it was of the employees Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. I don't want to travel. I don't feel self traveling. And you have to have sort of that care and duty of your, of your team, uh, which I think is, is important. But I I think for some of the in-person events we're seeing as people are putting a stake in the ground of like an attendance expectation, maybe lower. Mm -hmm. And if they exceed it, then they will have this sort of digital capability. Or we're seeing people plan for smaller regional events. So instead of having one large conference in Vegas, they're having four or five. um, So the travel is not as, and they're just smaller. Um, So we'll learn, you know, learn for, you know, what the appetite is. Last business question before I go to personal. Uh, top game changer trends you see coming in the brand experiential business? 
Um, I I don't know if I see game changer trends. I think there was a lot actually happening in 2019 that got put on the back burner a little bit. Um, like, like festivalization what? was becoming a big thing in 2019, the festivalization of B2B. Okay. Because, you know, people wanted more uh, experience or personalized experience. So I think that will come back more instead of like, hey, we're going to sit in a ballroom and then go to three breakouts. Mm-hmm. There's more of like, oh, it's theater in the round, or there's an entertainment factor, or there's a mm. hands-on component of it. I think we'll see some more of that um, because a lot of brands are moving from not being the let me tell you what I think you should know mm-hmm. versus what do you want to hear from us mm-hmm. and designing around that and being authentic to it. Um, we talked about data. I think I think there is. I'm hoping a movement of like the learnings from the virtual and the data that they learned about people and their behavior to build out more personalized um, experiences. Yeah. I think no touch uh, technologies will be big, and, you know, like <laughs> Good literally, call, you know, contactless registration. Yep. You know, we talk about it's proximity based contact exchange, you know, like, like your name badges talk to each other. Um, even more, like, again, like things that were coming up or chatbots or concierge on your phone, like if yeah. you're at an event, I think that will be more common. Um, it's so interesting to you know, the data. Like I could totally, and you're like, Jay, I'm so far ahead of you on this. But like I, whenever you go to those tracked, right, hey, it's like the yellow track and a blue track. And like you'd, you'd imagine that we're pretty close and you may be doing this already that to the day where – you know, if Spotify can can tell me what music I'm going to like next that I don't know about, you'd think that, you know, yeah. tracking and conferences and, and the data behind it and, and kind of like real-time evolution of you rate something and, oh, you might want to go here instead of here is is those types of things um, I'm sure geek you out and, and would seem to be realistically here in the near term. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I said, some of that stuff existed. Like you saw a lot of that AI where you were Mm -hmm. building out, um, you know, attendees in general, we we expect every search engine you ever go into to be exactly like Google. So even when they're on like an event agenda site, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, what's relevant to me? And Mm -hmm. I I do think that that just will be the future state of Mm -hmm. that very – I always joke because when I was at Intel, we'd be like, oh, we want to build a personalized experience. I'm like, well, you could say Dear Jay, and it's now personalized. <laughs> so you need it to be individualized yeah. to what your preferences are and what I know about you. And yeah. to your point, like this recommendation engine, because then that's what, where people will feel, oh, they know me. I mean, yes. um, there was an a, event where they started having, like, for certain audiences, like a live concierge like i'm your vip person wow and you know just even engaging on your phone to say hey um you know i know your next session is this we've had a lot of great Mm -hmm. you know replies on this one this one might be good for you and even some calling ahead of time to say hey let's walk through some things i think you might find um valuable so it is i do think that um one of the trends you'll see is more personalization prior to the event yep. so that you, it's sort of that stickiness, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, again, we're going back to just like basic marketing best practices of nurture campaigns. Yeah, my, but, my big one is the invite economy. I need to like TM that because I saw what Clubhouse did and I was like, that's brilliant, right? Like make it seem like it's this exclusive club 
Yeah. Um, and yet there's 10 million invites available. <laughs> you know, it's for critical it's mass. Super, I said that they were um, not very inclusive because it was only for Apple. I know <laughs> us Android folks were left out. Well, I mean, I think this is the same thing there, right? Like if you never, if you don't buy the premium package or sponsorship, you don't get invited to that cool party that's like right behind the reception desk, right? And you're, yeah. you know, there's, there's that too. There's the, uh, there's, we're going to invite you to these special, um, you know, post event that, making sure that 100% of attendees have a place to show up at some function where they feel good. But that, that is really cool. Like the live concierge, I can imagine, I mean, just I don't care who you are or egoless you think you are. That's just cool. I mean, that makes you well, feel good. Right. And it, yeah, and it's a great reflection on the brand. I, you know, it will be interesting though. We've had some, you know, debate internally is there is, uh, there's an expectation there's, that people would say, if I get on a plane in this world and I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going to take the time out of my week and go to your event for three days, I'm now out of the office. Mm-hmm. Like I expect a higher level yep. of sort of appreciation that I'm there, or it's mm-hmm. a little more special that mm-hmm. I, I did this. And then the flip side of it is I don't care what you do or what you're talking about. I just want to, I just want to go somewhere. And, <laughs> and so it's like you, you have these two schools of thoughts of either how we're going to have to make this really special and really like drive the importance of in person. And then the others are just like, Oh my God, you're a human. And I'm listening to live music. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to flip it personal here, home stretch. Uh, Morning Moss, this is when we pry open the Kim Kopetz email inbox and you share some of your key industry trades, follows, and the content that you stay on top of to be as smart and uh, knowledgeable as you are. Well, um, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm, if you ever did strength finders, like number one strength is input. Like I'm constantly just getting input. So it's like mm. I, I don't like sit there and go, God, what do I read every day? But um I do read, there's one called PCMA News mm-hmm. Junkie, which is an email that comes in the inbox every day. I read that pretty religiously, and it it, it connects to, um, you know, some very good perspectives. And the second is the information, because most of our clients are, or, or the industries that we support are in there, so there's always something good in the email. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, and you're talking about Spotify, mm-hmm. I love, so I was an early adopter of this app called Next Issue, hmm. which was every digital magazine so i mean like i get on a plane and have every issue of you know us weekly people in touch you know airport but you get to like 400 and then it became texture and then apple bought it yep i actually bought an ipad for this for apple news so i could get it like it was <laughs> solely for this app but the the apple news is fantastic because yep it does exactly that and offers up other things and recommendations or because I've, you know, yep. rat holed or clicked four levels down on this topic. And I love that because you get tons of different news sources and perspectives all at once. So I can, I can just, so that's, that's sort of like the free time, you know, not sitting at my computer or my email, but just sitting and clicking on a well, thousand I, different articles. I'm so proud of you, Kim, for stepping up um, during a pandemic to become pre- – I mean, that just – if that doesn't say courage, I don't know what does at an event, <laughs> at a brand experiential company. And so in your downtime when you're vegging, I got to know what's uh, what's on the Kim Kopetz binge-worthy uh, – it's Friday night, you grab a glass of wine after you know a crazy week. W- what are we binging on these days? 
Well, you know, I, I actually, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of a reality TV junkie. I watch a lot of, I think it's interesting yes. to hear, like, is this for real? Do these people <laughs> exist? Or you kind of learn about new things, like, you know, becoming Amish or polygamous. Like, there's just all sorts of things you can learn about people, and I just think it's a little fascinating. I also do completely binge on a very stupid game called Toy Blast. Which Toy I think might okay. Oh, it's you know like those yep. dumb little match mm-hmm. three games. Sure. Yeah, I can go. I I have told myself though by concentrating on these matching games that I'm helping like you're, my memory. You're helping your brain. You're helping <laughs> dementia prevention. I love it. Totally. That's exactly it. If I'm going to spend some time like. <laughs> Staring at, you know, the real housewives, I might as well use my brain matching toys. Well, Kim Kopetz, <laughs> opusagency.com, uh, if you want to check them out. Really cool site. Uh, I've known Kim for, gosh, now 30 years. Uh, super intelligent person. So if you're in the brand experience game, look him up. So enjoy you. Um, joining our show and my niece I talked to Emma has become like a regular listener which is amazing because she's like in elementary school and listening to this podcast and so uh, she one day can become the next Kim Colpet so Emma thanks for listening but Kim thank you so much for your time today this is awesome that was great thank you so much for the invite and hi Emma (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening to Brand Story Inc We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.